Hi guys, this is David Negrin, host of the Script Podcast and executive director of the NYC Screenwriters Collective. I'm excited to announce that we've created a Patreon campaign for the script. Patreon is like a Kickstarter, but it allows you to give ongoing pledges every month and receive ongoing rewards. Of course, the Script Podcast will continue to be free, but we're just asking for a little help. So please, check out all our rewards, join our inner circle. Become a patron of The Script Podcast at patreon.com slash the script. This is The Script, <laughs> the podcast for screenwriters, by screenwriters, the deepest story analysis anywhere on the internet. The Script, we believe story moves pages, story moves product, and story moves people. I'm your host, David Negrin. Joining me tonight is Jeremy Engdahl Johnson and Alec Pollock. Hello. Tonight, Blade Runner 2049. We're doing it. Guys, this is uh, long awaited. It, uh, Blade Runner, the original, is 1982. Only old men like us could podcast this. Only old men could say they were young men when this came out, or not even men. Right, right. But we're, I mean, it, it, this whole the whole movie's about uh, being freaking um, immortal and about you know your father disappointing you and uh, being a child, a young boy, you know, all this business, um, which is what Ridley Scott is obsessed with, right? If you look at Alien Covenant, go check out our Alien Covenant podcast if you guys uh, are, uh, enjoyed that film. But there's definitely a lot of parallels um, tonight. We're going to uh, review Blade Runner 2049. We're going to do the script instant review. Uh, f- uh, then we're going to, that's our first segment. Then we're going to do genre analysis segment. Then we're going to do a structure analysis segment. We're going to do a screenwriting craft segment, like pro- common screenwriting problems. And then we're going to do how it should have ended at the end of ours, or our last segment. How's that sound, guys? Good plan. All right, so just quickly, I want to introduce the artists, Ridley Scott, um, one of our greatest directors, recently Alien Covenant, uh, The Martian, um, the original Blade Runner 1982, also some, uh, you know, Oscar winners like Gladiator, my personal favorite, Black Rain, um, the screenwriting credits go to Michael Green and Hampton Fancher. Hampton Fancher was the original screenwriter on Blade Runner, the 1982, and he got screenwriting credits on this, but he hasn't done any screenwriting really since like the year 2000, so I feel like it was... I'm not sure if he did any real writing on this. Uh, the other screenwriter credited on this is Michael Green, who has a very long um, sci-fi fantasy pedigree he started in television writing smallville everwood uh, and heroes he was uh, on the writing staff he created a show called kings in 2009 i don't know if any of you guys saw that um he's a writer and executive producer on american gods right now um in terms of film he was responsible for uh green lantern <laughs> which we were like oh <laughs> then he was also responsible big collective sigh <laughs> uh, we were also he also wrote Logan, which we this podcast loved. Um, we have a Logan podcast out there, um, and he was the ma- a main screenwriter on Alien Covenant, um, 
which uh, we also reviewed. So he's Ridley Scott's guy since Covenant, apparently. My understanding is that Fancher did write a treatment for this in like semi-treatment slash uh, script format, kind of handed it off and said, you know, go with God and like didn't like stick around for notes or rewrites or anything like that. He just wrote the basic. Did he write basic... that recently or in like 85? No, no. My understanding is he did it recently. Okay. I okay, can so... look for some references for it, but like I think he he kind of like came out to do it, but I just didn't have it in him to actually stick with it and you know go through what it takes to bring this thing well, to life. Well, it's been through ups and downs, right? Yes, um, yes, for a long time. But uh, yeah, Ridley Scott returns uh, with the excuse me. <laughs> this is this is embarrassing. The director is not Ridley Scott. The director is Denis Villeneuve, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I yeah. was so obsessed with the 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 the, uh, the IMDb that I was like looking through the connection between Michael Green and Ridley Scott. So Ridley Scott's an executive producer on Blade Runner twenty forty nine, um, but uh, Denis Villeneuve, um, who. Um, uh, most recently did the arrival uh you guys see that yes yeah yeah that that was one of the better science fiction films arrival was one of the better science fiction films of the last decade and um in terms of being i think arrival was amazing because um it didn't explain everything and i think that's probably why uh, Villeneuve was so so well suited to take on the Blade Runner uh, mythology because there's a lo- there's not a lot explained about in the original about the backstory of the Blade Runner world, and I don't know that we got so much in Blade Runner twenty forty nine explained either. We just got a very interesting tale. What did you guys think? Let's let's just do ups and downs. Before we get to that, before we get to that, I just I just got to go on a mini rant because you know, like we got the first Blade Runner is like 2019, and then this is 2049, so we got a 30 year thing, and then you know the the first movie was 1982, and this is 2017, and you know so we got kind of a 35 year thing. And then we thought we were going to have flying cars coming like two years from now. Oh, so you're disappointed that the 82 like, future has not arrived yet in, 27, in 2017. They're trying to hide some time. They're, they're trying to hide some time. They're like, you know, well, 30 years to 35 and then, you know, forget about the flying cars. There's various other things to think about. But uh, I, there, there's a, a really interesting kind of time situation and all this but you know it doesn't matter that much i i just wanted to kind of pipe off well, about I, that I, I don't know if, if the blade runner mythology totally recognizes elon musk's work or if it's an alternate universe because if anyone's bringing flying cars <laughs> yeah i mean i totally read it as an alternate universe and I, I think that the blackout definitely explains a lot about you know how technology or even you know the landscape of things doesn't look that much different than it did in you know that Futures 2019. So, uh, did you guys see the blackout uh, 20? Yes, 22 yeah. prequel we, videos. We watched all the prequel videos. If you guys listening haven't seen the Blade Runner 2049 prequel videos, there are three of them. Shorts, uh, the yeah, three shorts. 
three shorts. One of them's anime. Um, and they explain the blackout, which is name checked in um, Blade Runner 2049. And frankly, when I was watching the, the, the shorts, I was like, why is there why are we why is the Terrell Corporation have to end and the Wallace Corporation picking things up? This is like what is this? Like, you know, Forbes magazine? Like we're getting into <laughs> the, the, the the like corporate future like like takeovers and stuff. But then of course, um it turns out there's an important plot uh very uh twist very late in the film. Um or, or is it the midpoint? I don't know. We, we can talk about that. Um, there is a, a distinct difference between the Terrell replicants and the Wallace replicants. Is, is that right? Yeah, and you should probably announce for anyone listening out there, if you didn't realize already, that we're going to be completely spoilerific here. Yeah, turn it off now. So, yeah, we watched the shorts and we watched the film. We watched the original, too. Um I had I had noodles at Alex's place while we were watching the original. Watching the final and, cut, yeah. Yeah, and we, we watched the final cut, but um, uh, it was very interesting how many um, visual uh, references we saw in um, the original Blade Runner to uh, the fifth element. Did you catch any of that, um, Jeremy? Not specifically, but I can totally imagine it happening. Yeah, I mean, Luc Besson definitely. He there was you know the flying taxis and the 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 world in in the Fifth Element, and even the the scene with a Chinese food guy speaking with the main character seems like an homage to Blade Runner. But the Fifth Element is obviously like a much stranger, sillier world. Uh, but I didn't realize until a reimagination, a reexamination of Blade Runner: The Final Cut, there, there's such a connection. Um, so much owes, so many films, so much media owes uh, a, a, a great homage to the original Blade Runner. I mean, even a lot of films that came out this year, in ter- uh, for example, Ghost in the Shell and. Um, uh, now I'm completely blanking on the one that completely tanked. The other one based on the French other Luke, it was the comic. other Luke Besson. It was uh, yeah, yeah. They they all owe so much to the original Blade Valerian. Runner and that aesthetic and that yeah, yeah, Valerian. So I, I mean, it is such a challenge to the Blade Runner 2049 team as to how do you take something that has already been so reexamined that has such a. a lineage or progeny that that's come out of it how do you how do you make a sequel like what does it well, even mean to make a sequel i don't, I don't know that there was a lot i think there was a lot of imagination i don't think um i mean there's like three genres we're dealing with here like obviously blade runner is one of the original sort of classic science fiction films um it's also a film noir the original blade runner um and it also has some roots in the cyberpunk genre which is more of a literary genre um, the, the feature film examples of cyberpunk are a lot smaller. We're talking Blade Runner. We're talking The Matrix. We're talking um, uh, uh, maybe iRobot. Um, but I don't know that the, you know this, this version of science fiction has been ex- explored on the screen as much. So I think Valerian and I think 
the fifth element are some of the the fewer uh, the the more interesting artsy cousins of this kind of science fiction. Um, or what about cor- what about Coruscant? Okay, so <laughs> I mean, like you know, completely based on a lot of the same kind of visions of the future. Yes, no? you know, Coruscant like the is the one planet and chapter in the Star Wars. Um, mythology that resembles the Blade Runner type of sci- original type of science fiction. But I would say that Blade Runner um, and 2001 and Close Encounters was the, the direction science fiction films were going in until Star Wars showed up. Um, the, they were going in the direction of classic science fiction novels um, like the Isaac Asimov stuff until the Star Wars shows up with the space opera version of science fiction that crushes box offices, and then American uh, uh, audiences and Hollywood decides this is the version of science fiction. This is how it needs to be, and so the the, the yeah, come on, I like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna call bullshit on that. Like you're right that <laughs> Star Wars turned things in a totally different direction, but you know that was earlier than Blade Runner and so that that direction had already been cast and I, I like I understand the comparison to some of those other films but Blade Runner is a weird movie if you go back and you watch it it's it's so tonal it's just like it's about the you know the the cinematography and the lighting and the and the color and the mood and the, the whole thing and and even the third act is super weird like it's it's kind of a chase and then it turns into this kind of deliberate thing that ends with like, like spoken word poetry and like <laughs> slow motion and, and other things. So it's, it's a super weird movie and I love it, but, but I don't know where to put it on the continuum. And, and I guess one thing I'll say about the, the new movie is that it, it was, uh, it, it was modern. It was different. Uh, it had a lot of like weird characteristics that I was like, well, I, I don't know if this fits with the original, but it was, I at least didn't feel like it betrayed the original. So I, I think there's something to be said there. So sorry to go on the, did tangent, you like, did, did you like it, Jeremy? I, I liked it. I, I, I just, it was kind of all over the place, but I also like, I watched the, the original a couple days before I went and saw the, you know, you know, the, the latest and, and I think the original is a weird movie too. So, um, so wait, let's just do one up, one down, instant review. Um, Alec, why don't you go first? What did you like? What did you not like? Uh, one up, one down. Uh, my one up is like it's a big one, but like the basic idea is I, I, I mean, I loved it. I thought it was beautiful and, and gorgeous. But I, I love the fact that to me it was just as much a, a deconstruction and a, a remix of Blade Runner as, as it was a sequel, which I thought was, was a great direction to go. I thought it was a really interesting way to go. I thought it was it did that in much the same way as The Force Awakens did for Star Wars, the original Star Wars. It took so many elements and just dug into them and re-examined the meanings. It, it was it, like it took it apart and remade a different story using the same fabric and, and I thought it did that in a really, really beautiful way. I mean, like from what's your fr- best example of that? Uh, I mean, starting right off with the you know the opening image is that that the eye you know, and this time we get an eye with kind of like blondish lashes as opposed to the darkish lashes that we get in the original. So is it Rachel and and Anna that we're seeing? But eyes are kind of carried as a as a main theme throughout the original. Uh, you know, whether it was from the Void Comp test or. 
uh, uh, Tyrell and his big, uh, you know, Coke bottle glasses that he was wearing. And we get translations of that. You know, now... Wait, uh, they updated the Voight-Kampf, right? <laughs> right. It's now a handheld thing that he just has to, you, you know, again, it's still eye-based. He still has to point it at yeah. their eyes. And then Jared Leto's uh, uh, Neander Wallace doesn't have the Coke bottle glasses, but he's blind and he still has to th- see through technology. So, again, it's a remixing of the same types of things that we saw before. And again, I don't see that as a bad thing necessarily. I see it as just reimagining and, and recutting and, and just having a lot of fun with it. And I, I loved it. And you're one down. Yeah, if I could jump on the, uh, on the eye thing, because I think, I think Alex got something really big there. The other thing that I think is connected to the eye is this idea of empathy. And if you look at the, the first movie and when they're doing the, the Android test, it's, it's, a lot of it's like, what would you do? There's a fly in the room. You know, it's on your arm. You know, other things. But I think eyes and empathy; those are seen as the two main human characteristics that we get through all this. And you can even trace it back to the original, you know, kind of textual work with Philip K. Dick. You know, do androids sleep electric? Do androids dream of electric sheep? And it's the perception and what do you what do you see and what do you feel? And that that so much is a theme in the, these movies, which is. Something I think they, they stayed true to throughout both the original and the, the They latest. stayed th- true through it thematically, but again, they even used the raw material of the original to kind of recut and examine it again. And the Voight-Kampf test is a great example because the questions that they're asked in the original Voight-Kampf, both the, the, the questions that Holden asked Leon at the beginning about you're in a desert walking along in the sand, and it, that, that's, that's the conversation that starts the movie. And then in 2049, we see that actually take place with Kay wandering in the desert alone just like in, in the question. And the, the, the questioning that Decker does with Rachel, he talks to her about the insect landing on her arm and she says she kill, she'd kill it. And then what happens to Kay as he's walking along in that desert, but an insect lands on his arm and he, he doesn't kill it. He watches it fascinated instead. Very different kind of empathy. And then even you know the, the memories that she has that were implanted. She talks about the... Um, the spider and there's a very detailed description of the spider spider that Rachel remembers and then we get another insect that we see really close up in the details and all of a sudden those details change because it's Anna adjusting the memories that she's creating again it's all echoes from the original like the, that poetry is, I think is just fantastic so that worked for you what's your one down my one down is actually the dialogue um I, I thought that the the visual and the you know using all these these visuals and these pieces to create the film, which again is the language of film, that's great. Um, and, and again, this is kind of hard for me to judge because there are just so many little pithy pieces of dialogue that that you know are etched in my mind as as a Blade Runner fan. Whether it's you know time enough, you know that Daddy says at the beginning as his first line echoed with you know his last line is time to die. I mean we're, we're always thinking about that and the whole if if you could only see what I've seen with your eyes, uh, gaffs. Yeah. You know it's too bad you won't live. But then again, who does? How many lines like that? Like did you come away with watching this movie? Like I I, you, I, oh. I agree. There it was it was very um, it was pretty weak. It was yeah weak. yeah. So that was that my only dialogue like i cannot wait to go see this again and i really want to go see it in imax to really you know let it all wash over me yeah but you didn't miss any dialogue <laughs> I didn't, yeah no but I, Vis- I, visually yeah. visually it would be interesting to to gawk at um jeremy you're one up one down i i thought that yeah and we were kind of getting at this earlier but the way that they 
handle the, the subconscious and the memory and the question of what's real and what's not, and you're dealing with androids, and this is now becoming kind of a, a recurring theme around androids, which are a fun thing for people to write about right now because it's like what's real and what's not, what separates an android from a, a, a real person. Um, and, you know, we had a lot of exposure to Westworld, and I think we can probably do a whole sidebar on Westworld. Uh, but in Westworld, the, the, the thing that kind of may make the difference is consciousness, right? You know, the androids establish consciousness, and then they become like human. And in this movie, uh, the, the thing that we've established is reproduction, and that that's the difference. And, and yeah. in fact, we're even told that, you know, it can have a soul if it's born. And, and that's kind of Ryan Gosling's construct there. And so the, you've got this, this really interesting kind of philosophical internal arc, which creates all these reversals over the course of the movie. You know, it, it, he goes from investigating who is the, the first natural born replicant to thinking it's him, to thinking it's not him, to thinking he needs to save whoever that that person is so it's it's and yeah. and it, it drives all the motivation and, and like i i struggled with the structure in terms of i knew what the a story was i knew what the internal arc was i didn't know what the b story was really clearly but it didn't matter because the the a story and the internal arc just kind of took over and i really like that I, and there's there's a lot of strange threads um my my down is uh and I can't wait to talk more with you guys about this, but the uh, the hologram hooker meshing sex scene um, could have been so much more. But that was just like what it could have been a lot longer, is what you're saying, right? It could be more. It could well, be, that's what you want, I'm sure. <laughs> that's your down. Is that scene? Uh, what, that, that was the weirdest video. scene I've seen in a movie in years. I was just like, how am I supposed to feel? That's a, that sounds good to me. That but again, the, the, it's a trope for Blade Runner movies different. to have a really awkward, you know, setup to to a sex scene, right? Yeah, like I liked the movie a lot. So That's you know, true. that was the only thing I was like, oh wow, you got this hot like holograph girlfriend. And it's like, oh, she's gonna mesh with this other person, and we're gonna have this weird like, you know, kind of strange background music kind of foreplay scene, and. Like, I, I just, I didn't know what to do. I, I felt like leaving the theater or, like, going and getting some popcorn <laughs> or just... Oh, you were, you were embarrassed by the holographic three-way? I wasn't embarrassed. I was embarrassed for the people who made it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'll do my ups and downs. My up. Um, I really... Uh, I really liked how subtle the f storytelling remained. One of the things that feature films, Hollywood feature films, especially sci-fi films, um, will do is over-explain. Or like uh, George Lucas did in the prequels, just like give away so much detail that we, you know, that our dreams of the universe are no longer valid because he's, he's crossed them out with some stupid version, stupid details about... Uh, the Galactic Senate, or uh, you know, the fact that they have cafes on Coruscant, you know, like things like that, just like ruin ruin your imagination. And um, the twenty forty nine continue this great tradition that was in the original Blade Runner, which is this is an, an, a world that you see and feel 
very much. It's a very sensory world. Um, and the story is very simple. Okay. Even in our two hour, 45 minute film, Blade Runner 2049, this story was very straightforward and simple, very straight A story. I think for me, the B story is his relationship with joy, the hologram, and it really fell flat. Um, uh, mostly because of my one down, actually. My one down is how they killed Joy <laughs> completely un, unceremoniously. Like, they set up the whole time that she's more than just a hologram, which is an echo of the same uh, uh, fight that the replicants are, are, are standing up for, which is we're more than just a replicant. She's, you know, Joy is like a, a lesser version of a fake person even than the replicants. And she's like, I'm real. And she has a, some great moments where she has some details about his life, the things he likes. Um, she has, she's smart. Uh, she has some gifts. Like she, she has like a database of like, she's a computer memory. Like they could have used her to some, to a much more degree um, instead of just like, you know, kind of like a sexy holographic girlfriend. And then when, you know, they, they set up the idea that when they, put all her memories in this uh, mobile device that if it gets destroyed, we'll lose her. So we know that's going to happen, but we don't give Joy a chance to sacrifice herself for Kay, which is so what we needed there, you know, because that itself is also a, um, you know, a measure of, of, of being a human being is like caring about someone more than yourself. So I wish they had done that and it would have made for a much better B story. Um, but they had to shoehorn in um, uh, Harrison Ford's character. Yep. Which I don't know that the character needed to be in this Bef- movie. Before we, other than to sell the film. Before we get to Harrison Ford, uh, like your your point about Joy. I mean, given that she had like the the most charitable use of that character, if you're gonna kill her off, is that she has knowledge, right? So the knowledge gets put to some use one way or another. Instead of just, let's put this character's quote-unquote soul, she wasn't born, so she doesn't have one, but let's let's put her being into a remote control and then have someone crush it with their heel. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could have done something with the fact that she, she had proximate knowledge of the characters and the people. and Totally pointless death, yeah. She and, did and, try to, I mean, she didn't have to, re- she didn't have to reveal herself though, right? Like, like she was trying to save him legitimately, and if she didn't, then yeah. But you're reaching for it. She didn't do. She didn't succeed. She, there was no situation where she used her knowledge or her technical. Her, the fact that she is a hologram to try to save Kay or anything. She it was just. It just. It would, did a disservice to her character that we. I was trying. I was getting to like along the way, and then they just sort of, you know, they they went with this really simple just the gimmick of destroying her because she's on a mobile device, which actually doesn't make sense given, I, I don't know. Given but, what you know. So that was my one Girlfriends, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, given what I'm, <laughs> I've explored on, on the dark net, you know? Doesn't mesh with my understanding either. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's talk, uh, let's talk uh, genre. We did a little talk genre. We talked a little... Classic sci-fi or space opera, film noir. Um, did the original one of the reasons 
Jeremy, you kept saying, you know, the original film is weird. Is it's it's a film noir, like it's a it's it's like a very straightforward uh, detective story meets the femme fatale. There's a uh, a big boss mafia guy uh, who's into some shit, and the detective gets uh, in between the girl and the 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 boss guy, the boss man. Um, did we have more of the film noir uh, genre explored in 2049? Might have been a little closer to what you uh, like. I, I mean, I, I'm sorry if I, I don't understand film noir as much as I should. But w when I say that the original Blade Runner is weird, like you have a a big boss who is he can't be defeated, but then it turns out he has a timer on him, and you know he's, you know he's expendable. It, it was it, it was a dramatic it was a dramatically interesting choice because, you know, I, I, like I understand having a, a countdown for your protagonist that they got to fight against, but having a countdown for your antagonist is a different sort of thing. And if they just can kind of run out of time, I mean, it's like. It's like a basketball game. It's just like, you know, you just, <laughs> you just pass it around until they, they well, couldn't catch up anymore. The other thing that I saw, so the film, one of the things that's present in some film wars like Chinatown and um, some others like, um, I'm trying to think of the David Lynch stuff. Because you know what? A lot of the original Blade Runner feels Lynchian, kind of a little odd, um, but very sensory but also um, there's family dynamics, like a family dynamic um, present, a pseudo family dynamic, right? So in the original um, Blade Runner, you have these six replicants, five, maybe six, um, who are the, you know, essentially the surrogate children of Terrell. He's the father who has decided that they need to be destroyed, right? And he sends what turns out to be another one of his sons, like the good son, to go and kill off, you know, the prodigal sons and daughters. And uh, while he's doing that, um, he hooks up with his, you know, surrogate sister, Rachel, right? And um, it's basically a situation, you get that, where, where Rucker Harris' character, at the end of Blade Runner, sort of allows Decker to live, right? So there's the recognition of that that sort of weird family uh, family uh, dynamic where you know we're all angry at dad and we uh, we don't know why our creator wants to destroy us but uh, I'm gonna let you and sister Rachel you know live and you know happily even though we're we're the we're the bad kids and is that a you're saying that's a that's a component of noir I think family dynamics, yeah, like warped family dynamics is a, is a component of noir. I, you know, I was going to bring up Angel Heart as a, I was going to ask if that was an example of, of noir because there's echoes of that in terms of, you know, the detective finding a, a case and finding his own identity as a, as a course of that. And that definitely had some messed up family dynamics in yeah, it. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, and so in this before, film... Before we move on, though, David, like... So that's all good, but like we need to separate 
the original movie from the sequel. And and one of the yeah, things that, agree, that happens with the the Blackout 2022 video is like the the inciting incident in all of this is that Tyrell creates replicants that have the same lifespan as humans. And that is that it, that creates this civil issue because they're more valuable than humans, right? They last longer. And 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 that's what leads to the rioting, lynching, killing all the replicants and and, and there's and, racism against this uh, you know skin right. jobs, you know. So there's You see that the, early in Ryan Gosling when he even at the at the uh, police department, they're just like hurling epithets at him. Everyone hates Ryan Gosling. He's never been so hated in like like any 5 minutes in all of his movie career. It's true. So so yeah, so I think yeah, so the inciting incident is that now we have a new uh sent we have a new kinds of replicant that uh Wallace has created. But what we find out is that um K is one of the old generation. He's a Terrell, right? K? Yeah. I didn't get that. He's an well, eight. He's a Nexus. Isn't he a Nexus eight? That, no. But that's the he, running. He, that's the he, running question. He totally it's obeys. Like, what's his no, origin? Though? Like, because what's his origin? Because if, if he's the child, if he while while he thinks he's their child, right? That means that he's he's a Nexus, right? He's, he's his, He's his own generation. Mm-hmm. He he's first of his kind. He's Jesus. Yeah. He thinks. It's not K. He's that's J. What he, that's what he thinks. But he has DNA that's identical. What we find out later in the reveal, who's you know, identical to the the chick, or or maybe maybe he's not. Maybe we he become he's a Wallace version in, and they just changed the record. I don't know. What's your reading of that, Alec? Of that ending? Uh, what well, uh, of the ending? Yeah, the reveal. What it, what is you know? I, as my reading was that we find out that Kay is not the son of Decker and Rachel. Um, yeah, he's not the son of Decker and Rachel. He's a replicant just like any others. I think the whole movie takes this whole like Messiah story, which we you know keep seeing again and again and again, and it just like sends it up completely. Like not only doesn't doing it for us, making us go along for the ride thinking that we're seeing the you know the offspring of Deckard and Rachel but doing it to the character himself and you know seeing his disappointment that he's not the one he's not the chosen one but he can still be a part of something even if he isn't the one right well that's that's the theme that that the 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 woman caretaker says to him at the end we all wanted to be the one and the fact that we desire to be important to be the, the son of two important people makes us human or makes us alive and makes us, uh, you know, have a soul. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they're Which getting I think better. also, like, you, you, I think Joy was a part of that and Joy's destruction was a part of that and then the realization that Joy wasn't necessarily anything special that the way that he believed that she was. I think that was all part of and a prelude to the shattering of, of his vision and his dreams. Yeah. Because again, that, that, the, the, the giant joy that, you know, came over to him and called him I Joe. I didn't, I felt like that was there very specifically to underscore the idea that the joy that he knew was a, an off the shelf product. 
Yeah, that he's not special. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't see it quite as cynically as as you guys did. I mean, like I and and it's it's clearly the the filmmakers playing with us, but the way they set it up with the memory and you know you have the uh, you know the little horse and it's got you know the date on it six ten twenty one which by the way is before the blackout so it's before everyone lost the memory of what happened and. It's kind of painted out, and then when, when he is, finds himself at the orphanage and goes down into the furnace room and he finds the horse, you really, like, I believed it. I was like, oh, it's him. Yeah. You know, I kind of had been predisposed towards that. And the way that they corrected it and that they brought it back at the end, that, of course, the memory maker, and now you understand why she was crying when yes. she was looking at the memory. Yeah. yeah. Of course, she, she, it was real, and she said it was real, but what he didn't realize is it wasn't his real memory; it was hers, yeah, yeah. and and I like I, I thought that was very intricate and well done. Like that was that was a nice nice bit of you know. And, and when I, I I hit on that at the outset that that the the internal arc was really strong and the way it interacted with the plot was really strong. And I I think that was a, the best example of it. I think massive plot hole though. Just jumping back to something that you you just mentioned that I'm sure we're gonna see on you know how it how it should have ended the 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 animated thing is if if genetics is such a big part of this and he had these records where he could see the genetics of these ch- children when they were born. Why didn't he just cross-reference it with his own gen- with his own genetics, with his own geno- genome? Like checked his genome. Yeah, I mean, we can do that with you know twenty three and Me or Ancestry dot com. Like, why couldn't he just kind of go to the genomat and have his gene sequenced against that? Like, wouldn't that be an immediate way to tell whether it was really him or not? It's also interesting, but you know that gets at the question about whether he he knew he was special or not or wanted to believe he was special like i like that idea of denial that he he does not believe he's special even though joy keeps telling him he's special and the facts keep telling us they're special and he doesn't and so he goes on the journey to, to that that confirms that he's special and he turns out because he goes on that journey he ends up being sort of a protector right of decker and of decker's child who is sort of this messiah uh, child. Um, and what we find out in the third act, a very cyberpunk twist, is they're starting a revolution <laughs> of replicants to rise up and fight for their rights and secede or whatever. So, um, but, And again, that, that's also that's part of the remix also because it's not, that, that isn't something that was a new idea for this movie necessarily because we already know that those rebellions were happening. That's that's where Batty and his crew originated. They mutinied and had their own mini rebellion and came to Earth. You guys want to take a look at the big structure beats? We don't have to go through all the beats, but I'm curious, you know, where where does the journey begin? You know, what's the break in the two? Uh Kay's our protagonist. Kay's our protagonist. Uh, is the break into two when he, he first visits the Tyrell Corporation, the Wallace Corporation, when he first goes to the pyramid? It's definitely entering a, I, it's definitely entering a new world. I, I think that you know, it's so he gets the voicemail saying, We have a new lead, get down here. And and the lead is that there's they've dug up 
Rachel's body and they found the, the proof that this replicant gave birth. And then there's some disbelief as kind of the debate and then the break into two is is that he's gotta go find this I, replicant. I think child. I think that he, that nails it, yeah. I think that Robin Wright is the, you know, prototy- is not a prototypical. She is the she's a very different version of, you know, the captain of the police force who assigns a uh, an important uh, case to the detective. Um, and yeah, and so when she tells him this is a case that uh, could start a war, I need you to look into it. That to me seems like the break in it too. Or she, at least that's the catalyst where she presents it to him, they debate it, mm-hmm. and he decides to go on the journey. Yeah, and, and again, he goes from there, his first stop is to go to Tyrell, and that's why I'm saying he's entering the new world there. Ah, okay. And he meets, he doesn't meet Tyrell there. Actually, he just Not Tyrell, ever, Wallace, Wallace, Wallace. Excuse me, uh, yeah, it's easy to mix them up. He doesn't meet Wallace there. Does N- No. Right? Does, does Kay ever meet Wallace? Do they ever... Because at the end, it's uh, no, it's it's love. It's, love is the one who yeah. Uh, De- it, it, she she specifically says that she's there as his representative. Right, right. Decker is the one who faces off with Wallace towards the end. But so yeah, so when yeah, I guess that that's the investigation beginning. The funding games is now, uh, like you said, this the 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 Wallace building, the corporation. We explore the new world. Um, we get to see him. I think he eats noodles at one point when the uh, when when the prostitutes come up to him and stuff. That's great. you know classic fun and games. Um, he's yeah. There's noodles. Let's go again. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's 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 the kind of mythology we need. More noodles. Um, so fun and games is, is is looking into the the child. Was there a child? And if so. Um, whose was it and who's the mommy and the daddy and you know what's the midpoint what is the escalation I I thought it was you know and, and this is a long movie yeah, so it this, is long. This, this is a challenge with this and, and so the second act is just with most long movies it just goes on and on and on and on and on so this is late but I thought that the midpoint was him thinking that he was that he was the natural born replicant. Uh, you know, he finds the six ten twenty one horse, yep. and it's an attempt. I agree. I, I kind of I, I kind of felt like it was right right immediately after that when he's back at the headquarters and he you know uh, uh, Robin Wright asks him for his badge and says he's got forty eight hours. Suddenly, it's a different movie. Yeah, yeah, it's same. Yeah, th- these are the same beats. There yeah. is definitely like the midpoint section, right? Mm-hmm. Where um, they he realizes he 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 begins to believe he is the child, and at the same time he cannot pass the the uh, the test anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's and, different. And and you're we're led to believe very very well that oh it's because he's not. One of those kinds, one of the Wallace replicants. Somehow he's been, you know, he's been faking it out. He's he's one of the old replicants, and he has feelings now. And I don't know. 
There's a lot going well, on. But, but also, as right after that, he goes home, and that's when that's when Joy gives him the name Joe. She renames him at that you. point because he, yeah. he's something different. Also, you get the kiss at the midpoint, right? And this that's where we get the and scene you get with, the you get the sex at sixty. Yeah. <laughs> 60 at, ho- at 60 percent yeah the hollow sex at 60 so then yeah. um right so then it becomes a different movie now he's being chased it's a thriller right um he was the detective now he's being chased um yeah it's a long movie uh but <laughs> i feel like oh can i can i bring up one thing that bothered me was and I felt like it was the studio note put it in. Didn't they telegraph the that he was the kid by having Joy show up there and show him the uh, the horse with the date on it? Huh? Do you guys remember that moment when when he's that. looking at through the DNA and he's trying to figure out and he's like, "All right, there's two." Um, that are the same, that can't be true. Um, and he's starting to think about that birth date because we're staring on the DNA uh, plates. Well, we're staring they, at that date. Tr- and then Joy shows up holographically and shows him the the horse, and the horse has that date on it. And but I was she like... She tells him the story because he just told the story to the captain but left out the part about the date. That's and why we don't, she we don't need the date. We don't need the date because he's. We're gonna see. Like they, he's gonna if he if he when he finds the horse again. If they were, he turned it over and revealed the date was on it, then we would have got it. Would have kicked clicked because I thought as soon as she telegraphed it, I was like, oh, he's the one. It's a real memory. He's gonna end up going and getting the horse. And then that's what happened. And I was sad. I was like, oh, why did they telegraph it? I don't know. It was just a, it was just a, uh, I think that it felt like somebody put it in to, as a reminder, like to push the audience in the direction. And, uh, I thought this film did a, a great job of not doing that stuff. But that being said, like moving forward, bad guys close in, he's being chased. Um, Decker just shooting at him and beating the shit out of him. Yeah, he has a you know some antagonism with his, uh, you know what he thinks is his dear old yeah. dad, right? And again, I think that's where you start to uh, get the, the the one line that I think is kind of a cool takeaway is the sometimes to love someone you got to be a stranger. Yeah, which again, yeah. you know, Deckard says it to him. So is it? Is it? You know, he's and at the point that he thinks that that is his father, so. Yeah, no, they're having like this heart to heart about like why did you desert me, Dad? And Deckard is you know giving you know giving him shit about it because he does feel guilty about it, um, even though he, he didn't desert him, he deserted his daughter. But um, again, there's that family dynamic yep. that I was talking about earlier, right? Like this, why did you leave me? And I had to do it and for, for your own safety. They were hunting us, et cetera, which is interesting. Um, a lesser movie would have started like going into flashbacks of, you know, Harrison Ford and the baby and 
you know, Rachel's like, or I guess she dies at childbirth, but the person taking care of the baby, like being chased by, you know, the bad guys, they just talked about it and that was fine. They talked about it in what we decided is Las oh, yeah, Vegas, right? Vegas. Okay. Burnt out Vegas. Jeremy, Jeremy, it was like a burnt out Vegas, but it was like a shitty hotel. It was like a 70s hotel. Because I would tell, when, when we left the theater, I, I saw it with Alec, I was like, was that Reno? Like, was that like, you know, some other stopover spot? But it was more like a classic Las Vegas. It was almost Las Vegas of 1982. Because I know what Vegas looks like today, and it yeah, doesn't so look like the presumption that. was, you know, it never the strip never evolved the way it did in our reality. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, that that fight scene in the, the in the with yeah. the Elvis in the background was it was was thematic. Yeah. It was kind of epic. I was like, oh, yeah. Watching that, it was like, all right, this is one of those scenes that is going to mark this film definitely. So what's our all is lost and then our break into three? What's our low point for the character? Uh, all is lost is when Wallace's goon squad shows up uh, with love, and uh, that's when they take him out. Deckard, and they literally take Kay. They beat the crap out of him. They kill, kill Joy. Joy is our, mm-hmm. our whiff of death. Sad to see her go. She could have gone you know, in more heroic They also leave way. Kay for dead. I mean, they, they think that he's done for as well at that point. It's a bit of a plot hole too. Like, why, why, why would Love beat the living hell out of him and leave him alone just because they got Decker? Like, Decker has all the information. Who knows? Decker. Uh, it turns out Decker wiped himself of the memories, didn't he? He didn't know anything really. Yeah, you know, he left so that you know he purposely you know, didn't know what happened. Yeah. I'd make right, I'd make okay. a point of beating right. the crap out of the the replicant if it was me. You know, it's just like throw him in the ocean or something. K, you mean? There were some. Yeah, like Ryan Gosling. Yeah. I mean, like, get rid of his character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was some. That was one, actually, that's a really good up for this film is the fight sequences because these, these characters are replicants. They're not humans. They beat the living shit out of each other. It's really like violent but also like well well choreographed fight scenes i was really into it and that last fight scene in act three in the water was pretty epic that's a that's a signature of this series though i mean you think about you know the original and and you know there's the scene after harrison ford has gotten you know he he shot down the prostitute replicant in the see-through rainbreaker and, right, and, very yeah, violent, and, yeah. And he's like, you know, he's putting water in his mouth and his blood coming out and stuff. And, and there's this whole fan theory that he was a replicant all along. And that, yeah. and, and, and you know, that doesn't really get answered one way or another. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny. It's interesting homage that Ryan Gosling's character is a replicant. But he fights the same way, kind of like impervious to pain and then kind of feels it later, which is this... Thing that Harrison Ford always did in the original, and and so maybe we're supposed to read into that, or maybe we're not. But it's uh... see that's something that that is a dimension that's missing from this film because we know K is a replicant from the beginning, um, and then the idea that he, 
until for the first half until we start to think, oh, actually, he's a special replicant. He was like born, so he's is kind of human. Um, I don't know. He he never really acted but, again. Our, more human. Like I would have liked to see him get our question more human. though with the original is is he or isn't he? Right? Is he or isn't he? Well, yeah, we, we yeah. still have the is he yeah. or isn't he question. It just means something a little bit different this time around, right? Yeah, but not as it's not as it's not as uh, I don't know. It's not as powerful because it's like is he which class of replicant? No, is no, 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 no. I don't think that's the. Uh, I think the question is: Is he or isn't he the son of Deckard and Rachel? Yeah, and that only starts in the second half. You know, you you could you could argue, yeah, that we're not thinking Deckard is a replicant until somewhere in the second half. There's a good like. Uh, people say a lot of the on, online stuff says you know the the whole presence of Gaff, who's the Edward James almost character in the first Blade Runner, is that he's right. He's um, he's there looking after. Deckard the whole movie because they know yeah. Deckard is a replicant and Gaff is like, you know, making sure, you know, he stays in line and You've done uh, a man's job. Right, he he has that line, you've done a man's job, which is like both a compliment and a by the way you might be I read a robot that thing. Edward um, James almost has twenty seconds of screen time in twenty forty nine. That was really yeah, a waste. Like, such a waste. Come on. Yeah. You got to do better than that. You got to do better. Remember, like, I, I it just, it, it, it smacks of uh, uh, when um, Keith Richards showed up in Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean for like 15 seconds. I was like, come on. And then finally they put Keith Richards in the, the next movie and he had an actual role. I was like, thank I, you. I don't even remember what you know? did, did, did uh, Gaff's, Role like did he move things along in this in this movie? Was there any kind of a clue? He 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 was in the fun and games. Uh, he helped him find Deckard, right? Like he gave him he gave him a origami of no, like it was an a sheep. It was a sheep. And I don't know. Oh, Do Android dream sheep. of electric oh. sheep? Like. But. I didn't get it, man. Was there was no sheep talk? I didn't hear any talk about sheep. How did you get the sheep? You I recognized the it was sheep Come immediately, on. like when I saw it. Then I read more about it and heard people talking more about it. How that was a total homage to that. But okay, thank but his, you, thank you. I did not totally. recognize well, that. Well, my daughter's obsessed with sheep and Boz, so I see them in all forms. This is and the danger okay. of metaphors. Like, you know, it's like, Dandro's <laughs> dream of electric sheep. Like, what does that mean? That's like, do they count sheep to go to sleep? And then we're talking about memories and dreaming and blah, 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 blah. And then now all of a sudden we're talking about actually are there sheep? <laughs> no, but look, the sheep were all, like, that's not the sheep, but the origami in the original movie, each one represented something that, you know, Gaff was making commentary throughout the whole thing, right? That's so right. He, that's, know, right. The, that's right. That's right. The little guy at one point, he had the uh, the chicken was the first one that he did when Deckard was afraid. You know, the, like each one of the, the things represented something. So, I mean, you know, if he's putting him out there as a, a sheep at this point, I don't know if it's sheep to the slaughter, you know, sheep as opposed to being a wolf. You know, he's no longer a wolf. He's now a sheep. I, you know, I think, you know, yep. the, he's, he's, he's making chased, some yeah. commentary on the state of Deckard as he exists now, if he exists at all. 
I want to believe in that too, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. Um, so our break into the third act is uh, w- at what point? What would you guys say? Uh, I, I, I kind of think it's when, like, it's not really clear, but, you know, he's asked earlier by Robin Wright to, to kill Deckard. But somewhere along the way, he decides to deliver Deckard. He's just like, he's mm-hmm. important. And, and it's like, that's, that seems like the important decision. And it's, it, it, I really struggled with the end of the beat sheet on this because it, it's not clear where he turns. Like, there's a lot of, a lot of moments when he could have and he should have, and it's not to say he hasn't, but the decisive action is not real clear. For me, it, it felt like, you know, Dark Knight of the Soul ends after... Because Kay has his Dark Knight of the Soul with the the replicant rebellion, the revolutionaries. You know, he has that moment when his dreams were broken. And then immediately after that, you get Deckard when his dreams are all broken, when he's got the Rachel that, you know, he has to see her destroyed again. Um, and he's about to be, you know, taken off into space for interrogation. I, I feel Kay making the decision to act and go after Love and Deckard before they can get off world seems to be that, you know, decisive break into Act Three. Yeah, that that's that's pretty straightforward. K going after Deckard, but 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 is it when he goes to Vegas after Deckard, or when after Love shows up and he goes to save Deckard from Love yeah, the once they've thing. got him? Because it's it's because, a, it's after his because, Dark Knight of the yeah. Soul, which is the revolutionaries. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it's after he, they they kill Joy, which is kind of like a low point for him. And then supposedly. they kill Rachel again, which is a, a good low point Deckard. for uh, for for Deckard. Yeah, I mean Deckard actually has his own sort of subplot that arises as soon as we, as Harrison Ford uh, enters the movie, and it, it really it throws the a plot, K's plot, it really extends. And uh, bulges the the bad guys close in like the second half of the second act, um, and makes it a lot more about Decker than it is about Kay. Which, which is um, kind of what happens then... in the original. Like again, in the original, in the end of the second act, the beats are really baddies' beats, not Deckard's. Interesting. Baddie right. has the right. moment okay. with Terrell. He kills Terrell when his dreams are shattered, and it's it's. I mean, even the whole finale is really Batty's finale. It's not Deckard. Deckard watches. It, it is. You're right. Right. Well, in that, in yeah, and in in a very similar way, in both films, it's like a Batty. If he if you look at him as an older brother of Deckard, um, and you look at Deckard as a father figure to Kay, it's like all right, you, you know, the the. It's like. They both of those characters took over active protagonist, you know, duties for a little while, um, which uh, I you know I don't know if it works. It works a little bit as long as it definitely worked um, in the sense that uh, going after Deckard made for a very very clean. Act three goal for for K, 
But I, I really had a problem with how ridiculous it was having Harrison Ford tied up in underwater in a car for like yeah, 10 minutes ridiculous. of fighting. You know? you know? Why can't they let him out? Why can't it just be like a two-on-one fight and love is so awesome that she's such a badass that she beats the crap out of these two yeah, that guys? That was definitely you know? one like, of my... It was kind of yeah, ridiculous. definitely one of my other downs was I, I didn't think that she was uh, uh, a worthy enough adversary. She was no yeah. baddie. It was, she had that... She got that scary voice at one point when she yells. She's just trying. She's just trying to please her dad, which is Wallace, who's like like yeah. a total asshole. Yeah. Um. So that's great. So let's let's just go with like how it should have ended. Like, what would you have done differently if you were the screenwriter? Um, on this story, what would you have done a little differently? Uh. Or how would you ended the film differently if you know if that's My, what you're into? Everything that I have have read and talked about since seems to Villano seems to pretty definitively believe that that um, K is dead at the end, and that's what we see. We see him in the snow, lying there, dying in the end. And I just thought that was a little bit ambiguous, and didn't if he was going to kill him, and if he was going to die, why not have him like? more clearly sacrifice himself in that final climactic battle Mm -hmm. Um, and give Deckard a little bit more of something to do rather than just be chained up the whole time Um, I want to see that Deckard still got it yeah that's a good point but you know replicants are tough like I don't I didn't think Kay was going to die. I, I, we left him there. It's like the final image, right? I thought actually they might zoom in on his eye for a nice final image. We didn't get that, though. It was just like snow. <laughs> I, I wanted to zoom in on yeah, that eye. I, I, yeah, we're tired of zooming in on eyes and like snow. <laughs> and like, yeah, they got blue eyes. Jeremy, is, dragons, it, is there any? Whatever the fuck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You came up with the eye theory, man. Wait, so what, would you have done anything differently, Jeremy? So I, I really liked, I liked the, the, the reversals. I've mentioned this over and over again. Um, and I liked how they, they ended up with the bubble girl at the end is actually the replicant child. Um, but I think having Decker just like kind of you know, mouth breathing on the on the glass, and she's like the memory girl in the bubble, and I don't know, that was kind of lame. Um, I like how they got there, but I, I just it it didn't really leave me anywhere. It's like we're just supposed to just kind of like tuck the hope into our shirt and go on our way. I I I, I don't know. So I'll ag- I'll agree. That's a that's a cheap reveal because say that again. When you do a reveal like. Uh, who's the important, you know, who's the one. It should be a character that's in the midst of this, the screenplay. It should be someone we're familiar with. When we are visiting the bubble girl, it just feels like this odd... Uh, I, I kept thinking how odd it was, a scene with this new character in this new yeah, place David, you, and some beautiful sort of like, the, you know, uh, it reminded me of like virtual reality sculpting she's exactly doing. Like, uh, uh, Alec, it reminded me of, of Google... Uh, uh, what's the their VR painting app? 
tilt brush. It reminded me she was like really yeah. good at tilt brush, right? So, um, but I was like, oh, this is an odd. Uh, this is but an again, odd. I think about it uh, as a remix, right? Who worked for Terrell was physically uh, hindered and uh, had health issues and played into a plot in a significant way in the original movie. Oh, the creator of that guy, the like the puppet Sebastian. master guy. Yeah, he yeah, specifically. Sebastian. There's a bit in the movie where uh, Pris and you know talks to him about like why he's still on the planet and he's there because of his health concerns. He didn't pass the medical. He didn't pass the physicals to leave the planet. Right. Oh, that's interesting. That is that is a good one. But you know what? They're looking for Sebastian for a lot of time, and um, they're looking. I and. They're looking for him. He plays a role. I mean, you know, Chu, the the guy who makes the eyes. And they're in. They're the in his house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, and, they're and, in his and, house. And and she get he gets he gets faked out by the Daryl yeah. Hannah character. Yeah, he plays a role right? for a lot um, longer time. Absolutely, no question. And if they could have, if they could have yeah. worked, so worked just, Anna into it a little more, bit more, I think that would have made a big difference. Yeah. Um, let's see. So let me talk about. Uh, what am I going to say for my what I would have changed? I already talked about yeah. Joy. Um, I I would have made Joy and uh, what was uh, the character's name? Mackenzie Davis' character. Mariette. Her name yeah. is Mariette, apparently. Um, I would have made them more relevant. Um, I would have had Mariette along for the ride in... Vegas, okay? I would have had, you know, like this this counterpart character, which is supposed to be part of the B story, um, you know, is 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 totally missioning because they want to do this. They they could have had this one on one dad talk, you know, you know, also without you know Mackenzie uh, could have gone off for a smoke or something like that, but. Um, because then all of a sudden, also she could she could connect with the rev, with the revolution right like because they kind of come out of nowhere right they just like where where does the uh, the the rebellion come out uh, were they in Vegas too I guess they were the people um, they found him in Vegas because Marriott planted the tracer in his pocket after the three way. You, you know, there was like that. She puts, okay, she sticks right, that little right, thing right. in his pocket right before she gets dressed and leaves. I mean, that was the plot reason yeah. for her to be there. Okay. So yeah. So I, I, I wanted. I thought she could have been present. I thought Joy's death was weak, um, and I thought that Harrison Ford's presence, Decker's presence, was not very necessary. Like I thought that. We made we got very invested in Kay as our protagonist, and he ends up being left behind by the bad guys. And like he he he's left behind by the bad guys. That means he's no longer important. It's like our protagonist is no longer important to the story. So, if anything, I would have sw- switched it around. I would have made I would have made Deckard being the one who has to sacrifice and save himself for K, not the other but way De- around. 
problem with that is they they already did that in uh, Star there Wars: The Force go. Awakens. <laughs> See, but the thing with Deckard is the is the the MacGuffin kind of, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, no, well, the the child oh, yeah, is yeah, the yeah. MacGuffin, right? The child is the MacGuffin, and so the third act is about not about finding the child. It's about finding a guy who might know where the child is, and that's that's not very direct conflict. Um, and it's very true. I don't know. Very true. But this whole idea of finding children, I, yeah, welcome back, me. I, I was gone for a while. I'm back. Um, the the whole thing, it, it reminds me of um, Children of Men. And, and, and you had this... I was going to bring that up, too, This yeah. plot about, like, like, you know, can people have children and, you know, or can androids have children and, and kind of what are the ramifications and how big of a deal does this become? Is there a bigger deal? Uh, you know, it, it it was interesting how they took it in that direction. Yeah. Also, I really enjoyed the 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 child labor factory aspect to this because it it made it showed you that this is a dystopia that there is a world in the future. The Los Angeles area is okay, even though it's kind of shitty. Um, it's pretty shitty. But then, uh, what is it? San Diego is just a dump, right? Like a garbage dump. Complete um, ruins, yeah. Total ruins, and then Vegas is 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 a dead town. So the off world is the only place to go, which is great. Thank God they didn't show us the off world. Like that would have been, you know, a lesser sci fi movie would have been like cutting back and forth between things all cool on the off world. Um, uh, reminds me a little of Elysium, which uh, I liked but didn't love. And so. I, I liked that it was like this kind of apocalyptic uh, sense that there are these lost children everywhere, and he was one of them, or possibly one of them. And turns out the girl was one of them for a bit. Um, and she got beat up by the kids trying to take her horse. Um, did, did Decker give her the horse back at the end? No. See, that's that's where a scene between Ryan with Kay and and the girl, give him handing her the horse back would have been, you know, really nice. Yeah, he didn't. They didn't get there. Did not get there. Right, well, the big question is, are they going to keep going? Like, will there be another movie? Yeah, at some point, as soon as the the rebels showed up and we they started talking revolution, I was like, oh, I because th- I really thought this was going to be a self contained sequel. I didn't think they were thinking sequel, yeah, like to sequel to sequel, yeah. Um, yeah. But clearly they are. Yeah. And you can't yeah, you can't kill wide off, open. you can't kill off Ryan Gosling if you're doing a sequel. <laughs> There's that. All right, last uh, comments and questions. Anything you guys have been dying to say about this movie all night? Or you didn't get to say? Uh, I, you know, I noticed we hardly said anything about Jared Leto and Wallace as a, as a character. Mm. And I think, again, that was one of my big issues with the idea that Leto, like Wallace and even Love were just not the antagonists that we had in, um, in the first one. Batty was just such a fantastic character in and of himself, Roy Batty, and 
even Terrell as as an antagonist, just again it it played so much into the quality of that film. We also didn't we didn't mention uh, yeah, that that Wallace. Uh, and Terrell bear a very interesting resemblance to the Wayland Corporation in the Alien franchise. Right? <laughs> <laughs> There's a good video That's out there. That's just a coincidence. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, and, and it's not a coincidence. Yeah, it's just a coincidence that 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 Alien is. You know, like we we can't even focus on the main character in the last couple Alien movies because the replicant takes the front stage. You know. The movie became, you know, the Alien films became about Fassbender's character. And Ridley Scott has got a whole, like, you know, in in the, uh, like, extra features or something, there's a letter from the, uh, the Wayland guy talking about, in very veiled terms, he doesn't mention uh, Wayland, but uh, he hasn't mentioned Terrell, but that's who he's talking about. Wayland, Wayland talks about Terrell. Yeah, in in again a piece of ancillary content to one of the one of the recent Alien movies. Yeah, I bet Ridley Scott's got a freaking android girlfriend. <laughs> or holographic. Both. Who knows? Ew. Jeremy, anything about twenty forty nine that you wanted to say? I I think I've gotten it all out there. I I thought it was great. I thought it was the they they stuck to a weird plot. The reversals were cool. Like. They took the whole question of what's real and what's not, and what's a real memory and what's not, to a new level. We didn't even talk about Memento. I was going to do a whole comparison to that, but, um, you know, I... What's the connection to Memento? Well, just the idea of memories and identity, you know, uh, and, and, and who owns a memory, and the idea that someone else could own it. Uh, it, was, it was very clever. Yeah. I, I thought it was a great movie. Um, it was too long. It was a half hour too long. But, you know, whatever. It's still great. Well, that thank, I want to thank you guys both. Uh, we finally got this uh, podcast together after some logistic issues, so thanks for bearing with me. Um, I want to thank Alec and Jeremy. Um, the script is produced by David Negrin, edited by Zoe Alexander. Uh, if you like the script podcast, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. Subscribe to the script YouTube channel. Join our Facebook page by searching for NYC Screenwriters Collective. Follow us on Twitter at ScriptFeed, and you can support The Script Podcast at patreon.com slash thescript.